as Canadian cities deal with unprecedented waves of violent crimes, Statistics Canada data shows that every province, except Manitoba and Quebec, saw a decline in the number of police officers. The Ontario NDP introduced a bill on Tuesday to designate safety zones of 100 meters around venues where drag queens read to kids. Civil liberties groups appeared in federal court this week to challenge the government's use of the Emergencies Act to quell the Freedom Convoy protest. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, April 5th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Noah Jarvis. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. As Canadian cities face countless violent attacks, including two multiple stabbing incidents on Tuesday in Calgary, Statistics Canada data shows that every province, except Manitoba and Quebec, saw a decline in the number of police officers. According to the organization's 2022 data, police strength across Canada declined in comparison to the year before. Every province saw their police forces decline. British Columbia, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island had the largest decline, reporting a 3% drop in the number of police officers since 2021. Ontario and New Brunswick followed with a 2% decline, while Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Newfoundland had their police forces decline by 1%. On Tuesday, in response to rising criminal activity in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith directed officials to hire 100 more street-level police officers over the next 18 months. That's to increase the visible law enforcement presence. Smith said the province is addressing root causes like mental health and addiction, but won't compromise on security for Calgarians and Edmontonians in the meanwhile. Know what? These are really interesting statistics. I've certainly noticed a rise in crime In Alberta cities, we're hearing so many anecdotal stories about stabbings happening on the LRT and public transit. I think a lot of Canadians are really feeling that the cities aren't as safe as they used to be. And so when we see these numbers about, you know, lowering a number of police in the force, that's really surprising. You would think we should be moving in the other direction. Do you think this in any part stems from the defund police movement? Obviously, there was a big push for that during the COVID-19 pandemic. Even here in Calgary, at one point, the mayor sort of supported, you know, reducing police budgets. What is actually causing this reduction in police officers on the streets? Yeah, I think certainly politicians have been spooked by BLM activists who have been pushing for the defunding of the police and the diversion of that funding to social workers and other uh, projects. I think municipalities and provinces have the funding necessary to add more uh, officers, but they aren't doing so because they are capitulating to certain BLM activists. And our big cities, our communities in general are suffering as a result of that. I think you make a very good point. And I think that some of these communities are now recognizing that it was a mistake to capitulate to this movement. And we're seeing a move in the opposite direction right now. Yesterday, Mayor Gondekt was asked about her history of voting to reduce the police budget. Uh, She was asked that question by Kim Bexty of the Counter Signal. She actually walked away. She didn't even make an effort to answer the question. I thought that was very shameful. Calgarians are rightfully concerned about the rise in crime in their cities. The least the mayor could do is answer to her record. She was the one who, in fact, did not vote to increase the police budget for a time. But I suppose one of the more important questions here is what's actually causing this rise in crime? I think that a lot of people are pointing to the addiction and mental health crisis that we're seeing across our country and certainly not across North America, especially when we look at the western sea border. 
That's been a huge problem for our cities and for being able to control violence. Do you have any theories on what might be causing this uptick in especially violent criminal activity? Well, you have the federal government who is utterly uninterested in dealing with the root causes for these problems. There is a massive amount of weapons that have that is being brought over from the United States that is ending up in the hands of criminals that is being used in many of these gun crimes. And the federal government seems to only be interested in stripping away the firearms from law-abiding firearm owners. Also, you have a federal government that is utterly uninterested in dealing with the opioid crisis. You have thousands of Canadians on an annual basis that are dying from these harmful drugs, whether it be fentanyl or otherwise. And you also have a, a municipalities and provinces who want to open safe supply programs that sort of encourages people to continue uh, ingesting these drugs instead of taking the approach of trying to get these people clean. I think Alberta, the Alberta government is doing a great job in, in trying to uh, deal with this problem. But for the vast majority of the country, uh, politicians are not taking a precise action in dealing with this problem. Sudden a rise of hate and violence against two SLGBTQI plus communities, the Ontario NDP introduced a bill on Tuesday to designate safety zones of 100 meters around venues where drag queens read to kids. NDP MLA Kristen Wong Tam's private member's bill goes one step further than a similar bylaw recently passed in Calgary as it would apply to the entire province. If passed, the bill would allow the Attorney General to create designated safety zones, which could prohibit protests from happening within the area. Those found violating the zone could receive a $25,000 fine. Last month, Calgary City Council voted through two administrative suggestions aimed at curbing the protests against drag queen story hours, citing a rise in discrimination against the LGBT community. Rachel, Calgary City Council has taken similar action last month in voting through those administrative changes to curb a protest around drag queen story hours. How do you think Calgarians have been reacting to the legislation? Calgarians have reacted to the passing of that bylaw in a similar manner that you would expect. The type of people that already support drag queen story hour and would be bringing their children to these types of events are very supportive of this bylaw, which now means that people who have come up to protest the drag queen story hour need to stay 100 meters from the building. Now that was passed after a pastor actually entered a room where one of these readings was happening and began sort of preaching about the immorality of what was going on there. So arguably this motion was passed in a direct response to that incident and that pastor was actually arrested for mischief and causing a public disturbance, I believe. But, you know, you also have those Calgarians that are very upset with the direction that their city and arguably their country and all of North America is moving. who are very angry about this bylaw who think it's an infringement of their rights. I've heard some discussion about people planning to issue charter challenges against this bylaw. But again, it's sort of what you would expect to see. People that have always been opposed to drag queen story hours are now opposed to this motion. And people that support drag queen story hours for their children support the motion. Yeah, it seems to me that this is an affront to civil civil liberties in Canada. If you want to protest against a certain cause, a certain movement that you have disagreements against, then you are more you're supposed to be more than welcome to protest uh, that. But it seems as if you know these this Calgary Mayor, Mayor Jody Gondek and the Ontario NDP they don't have that same respect for the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. They don't have that same respect for civil liberties, and they're willing to curb opposition to these protests because these politicians are aligned with. The, these radical LGBTQ activists. And, and you have these politicians who are scared to confront these uh, radical LGBTQ activists who are demanding that these protests be shut down, who don't 
have the same respect for the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and Civil Liberties as your average Canadian does, and these politicians are capitulating to the demands of these radical activists. No, I think you're nailing the issue on the head. Increasingly in Canada, we're seeing that only one school of thought is considered acceptable and permissible to even discuss, and that's what's happening with these protests. In Calgary, the bylaw was actually passed to say that specified protesters, not all protesters, would be required to remain 100 meters from an event. And so certainly they were looking at targeting those people who were coming to protest drag queen story hours. I assure you that if there was some sort of Bible reading happening at the library, Calgary City Council isn't interested in targeting counter protesters who show up to protest that event. So what we're seeing is we're seeing an attack on a specific school of thought. And I think that's going to continue to increase unless Canadians start to stand up and get involved in their politics, speak out against these types of bylaws. I think the other really interesting thing is we just spent, you know, a couple minutes discussing a story talking about the increase in violence and what's causing that. Calgary City Council has much more important issues to be focused on right now, but they're diverting their attention away from important issues like public safety to focus on really an ideologically driven agenda. For sure. It is definitely scary when you have governments coming after certain groups of Canadians based on their uh, ideological or you know political beliefs. The federal government is defending its use of the Emergencies Act in federal court this week, facing a challenge by the Canadian Constitution Foundation, or the CCF, and the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, or the CCLA. The CCF argued that the federal government lacked the evidence to determine protests and barricades across Canada last year were threats to national security. The CCLA, whose challenge against the Emergencies Act is being heard alongside the CCF, argued that the threshold for invoking the Emergencies Act, the country's strongest powers, was not met during the Freedom Convoy. The CCLA also recalled the clearing of the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor as an example of being able to clear protests under existing laws making the invocation of the Emergencies Act unnecessary. Justice Richard Mosley is hearing concerns from several groups and individuals about the government's use of the Emergencies Act. In its official report released in February, the Public Order Emergency Commission ruled that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's use of the never-before powers was justified. Well, now what we're back to discussing the invocation of the Emergencies Act once again, it seemed not too long ago we had the results of the Public Order Emergency Commission. Uh, that, of course, as we just mentioned, found that Trudeau was justified in invoking those powers. I think one question that everyone is asking, I myself did a documentary on the Freedom Convoy called The Freedom Occupation, is was there actual threats of violence that would ensure that the federal government was justified in invoking the Emergencies Act? But it seems like there's still a lot of questions about whether there was actually violence. One of the things that I've heard repeatedly is, while there wasn't any actual violence from Freedom Convoy protesters, the environment was ripe for someone to commit a violent act, which you could pretty much say at any point in society, somebody is ready to commit a violent act. So do you have any examples of violence that was committed at the Freedom Convoy? Or is this really about the possibility of something bad happening that allowed the federal government to invoke the Emergencies Act? No, as I recall, the Freedom Convoy was quite the peaceful movement. There wasn't many, at, if any at all, as I recall, the Freedom Convo is quite the peaceful movement. Um, there wasn't really any incidents of violence where people were being attacked or worse. I believe that the Trudeau government saw that there was a mass gathering of people 
who opposed you know what their what their approach of government was and they decided that they want needed to quash this protest in order to restore you know public safety in the in their view I believe that a lot of Canadians are unhappy with the results of the Public Order Emergency Commission with Commissioner Paul Rouleau finding that the, the Trudeau government was justified in invoking the Emergencies Act, but also it wasn't a ringing endorsement. He did, you know, insert a lot of caveats. He, he believed that the federal government didn't do enough in, you know, doing their due diligence. He mentioned that the federal government didn't do enough in doing their due diligence before invoking the Emergencies Act. And I think that the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, Association, the Canadian Constitution Foundation, they're trying to seek that reprieve for people who believe that the Trudeau government uh, overreached in invoking the act. Absolutely. And for Canadians that are invested in the Freedom Convoy, for Canadians that are Freedom Convoy supporters, this legal case is really their last chance at recourse. We already gone through the Public Order Commission. That result was it didn't praise the Trudeau government's actions. It wasn't a condemnation of them either. The Trudeau government was, of course, found justified. Many Canadians, as you mentioned, were upset by that. But I'm wondering, you know, the Freedom Convoy ended back in February 2022. That was over a year ago. We've already gone through the commission process. That was a very long, exhausting process. Many interviews, there was so much information coming down every day. I'm wondering if Canadians are still really invested in this process. Are they still following this court case? Or have Canadians kind of decided how they feel about the Freedom Convoy and checked out of the public processes and just said, this is how I feel about it and nothing is going to change how I feel about it at this point? Yeah, Canadians definitely should be a lot more interested uh, in this case than they are. I think even during the Public Order Emergency Commission, you saw a stunning lack of interest of the in the act in the average Canadian, where you had you know the Prime Minister and key members of cabinet testifying, and your average Canadian didn't really care, didn't really tune in, and ultimately the uh, Public Order Emergency Commissions found that you know the the ruling, um, the Emergency Act invocation was justified. But Canadians should be a lot more interested in this case than they currently are. Uh, this is um, a case in which a judge will decide whether or not the Trudeau government lawfully or unlawfully invoked the act, and that has great repercussions in deciding whether or not. The Trudeau government is abusing their power and whether or not governments, uh, future governments will be able to abuse that power going forward. Well, that's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media. You can do that over at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.